You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Emergency session, emergency. We, we flashed the uh, little light that looks like our logo for Pride of Detroit. Pride of Detroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Pride of Detroit on Facebook, you know where to find us. This is Emergency PODcast. I am Chris Fett, the adequate host at Chris Fett. Joined, as always, by Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. Jeremy, sound off. I'm going to leave a break in here because I'm not sure if you hit the recorder or not. It is. It is on. It is on. Okay, cut Trust this part me, out. It's on. It's on. No, we're not okay. cutting it out. We're all <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I'm doing well. How are you doing on this New Year's Day day? I'm you doing mean. fine. Let's get quickly to our next person we have here, Hamza Bakush, back with us. Hello. Uh, back on tw- Hello, Hamza. He's back on Twitter now, too. We finally freed Hamza. He is at Hamza P-O-D. All one word there. P-O-D. Hamza. He's doing yes. good. He's he's great um, to be my best life. We're in here rushing to get this out because clearly the biggest news of the day, uh, Connor Cook has been signed to the Detroit Lions. No, I'm <laughs> um, Michigan State wins over Michigan yet again. Yet again. How dare you? Uh, Jim Bob Cooter, the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, uh, going back to about midway into 2015, we took the over the interim job 2016 when he was the full time OC. He has been let go on New Year's Day. Uh, I think it was something we were all kind of expecting when we recorded the last major POD cast. But we were all kind of sitting around waiting for it to happen. So we've been waiting to go to talk about this. And now the Lions need to find a new offensive coordinator. This will be now, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy, like the fifth offensive coordinator for For Matthew Stafford Stafford or fourth? Uh, Yeah, it's somewhere around there. We'll see. So Lombardi, Cooter. So this will be fourth. Yeah, this will be the fourth. And I know he was kind of like keeping Cooter on was a big reason that he returned like the Stafford working with Cooter was a big reason he returned after Caldwell was gone. But let's talk about his kind of career in postmortem now before we move on to the next question, which is who comes next? Because I think it's it's fascinating to look at because when when Cooter came along, I mean, the the offense really did kind of get back on its feet. But I'm not sure how to square that between what we saw in 2015 and 2016 to how it all started to break down after that, considering there were also two head coaches in there with their own specific demands. So Jeremy, what, what was kind of the malaise that doomed uh, Cooter's career here? I think, I think it was just kind of failure to 
adapt because I'm not saying that Jim Bob Cooter is a bad offensive coordinator. I mean, I think he's gotten vilified maybe a little bit unfairly this year, but I think the problem was just that he wasn't a good mix with Matt Patricia. Um, He clearly didn't, you know, build the offense in the vein that Matt Patricia wanted. It wasn't working together. The the duo wasn't working together and whose fault it is, is is up for debate. But um, the failure to adapt also goes beyond that. I mean, Cooter had become kind of predictable in, in the way his formations had been set up. Um, one one popular thing that, that got beaten into the ground by fans who saw it was that any time that LeGarrette Blunt was in the game, opponents would stack up the box with eight or nine guys because they knew, one, LeGarrette Blunt was almost certainly going to get the ball. And even if he wasn't, he certainly wasn't going to come out of the backfield and catch a pass. And um, we saw what happened when the Lions finally tried to pass him the ball towards the end of the season. But um, I, I think in general, what will kind of be Jim Bob Cooter's career in Detroit is he made Matthew Stafford better despite, you know, the down year this year. Um, And, you know, he cut his teeth a little bit as offensive coordinator. I mean, this is the first time as an offensive coordinator. And I think he did just about as good as you could expect someone right off the bat, but he failed to adapt. He failed to grow as an offensive coordinator. And that's, that's what got him fired. Yeah, I have to agree with Jeremy's take here. I think um, kind of like Scott Linehan towards the end of his tenure, Jim Bob Cooter got a little stubborn and that led, like you said, to predictability. Um, and also, yeah, you, you mentioned that he's not a good fit with Matt Patricia and what Patricia wants to do. And that's something Chris and I talked about after the week 15 podcast um, that was his his um, insisting on running the ball and power running and getting the ball to tight ends. That's something we didn't see the first half of the season and just out of nowhere came to with tight ends who aren't used to catching the ball. Um, I think it was clear that there was a contradiction between what the two guys want to do with their um, offenses. And I think it's just a little bit unfortunate that, um, you know, Stafford fought so hard to have Cooter back. And now it's just like another season wasted as a, as a, as a result of that. Well, I think it's fascinating too, because like, yeah, as you said, I think Stafford fought to have Jim Bob Cooter back, but it's, 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 it's curious to look at that. Cause I think what did end up dooming Cooter in the end, wasn't that it was a bad fit with Patricia, but it was the bad fit compounded with that. Just Stafford did not play well this year. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're not playing well with an offensive coordinator that you handpicked, I think that kind of dooms you out of the room even faster, especially in a quarterback driven team, like the Detroit lions as, as they are currently constituted. And, and in a way, keeping Jim Bob Cooter around was the safest, smartest thing that Matt Patricia could have done. It's a lot like how when uh, when Bob Quinn came in, he kept Jim Caldwell around because it was a built in excuse for, a you know, first year turbulence. And so the fact that um, things didn't progress last year, Jim Caldwell got fired. And the fact that things only got worse on offense this year. It got uh, Jim Bob Cooter not necess- not fired technically, you know, just not resigned. But um, it, it's given both of, both of these former Patriots guys a buffer season to kind of smooth things out, get their feet out from underneath them. And now Matt Patricia has a full off season. Where last season he kind of had to scramble to get uh, a whole set of coaches together. Now now he he'll have his coaches. Now he's out of excuses. Much like Bob Quinn is now out of excuses. Matt Patricia is out of excuses. So 2019 is going to be an absolutely huge year for both those guys. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think um, we saw on Twitter, um, Mike Lombardi reported that this is only the first of many changes to come to the staff. And while that was a shocker to people at first, um, I think someone pointed out that um, Patricia was one of the latest hires out of last offseason's uh, coaching hires. And so he didn't really get his pick of the lot for who he wanted on his staff. And so I honestly wouldn't be surprised, come to think of it, if we saw um, quite a bit more turnover to come from that staff. And it seems like a reasonable uh, justification for it. Yeah. And I mean, I think you have to look on the offensive side of the ball, like Jeff Davidson. Um, we, we expected a lot more improvement out of the offensive line this year than we got um, kind of a hasty hire. I thought it was a good hire at the time, um, but certainly the results aren't that great. I thought I thought the line's offensive line played well down the stretch, um, but we expected more at the beginning of the year. Maybe it was just a, a time thing, much like the defense had showed improvement towards the end. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if anyone is really safe. I mean, we talked in the slack room a little bit. I wouldn't be that surprised if Paul Pascaloni is on the list. The, the only reason I, I wouldn't say I'm, I think that's going to happen is just because there's been no smoke or fire there at all. Um, none of the beat writers are mentioning it. I haven't heard anything. Um, there has, I mean, with, with the way the defense turned around, you do have to give probably Paul Pasquale uh, some credit, although you don't know how much is his hand, how much is Patricia's hand and all that. But um, I, I think maybe looking a little deeper into the position coaches, I think we might see some, some turmoil there. Um, although I don't want to, I don't want to give too much credence to Michael Lombardi's tweet because it's, it was very vague, you know, it literally just says expect a ton of changes besides Cooter in Detroit. That we'll could see. just mean the whole side offense. That could just mean the whole offensive side of the ball, sure. to be honest. So, like, I mean, because whoever's the next OC is coming in probably wants to bring in his own staff of assistants and positional coaches and everything else. So, yeah. like, yeah. So I definitely do. So just just given given that if if Lombardi's truth mean if if Lombardi's tweet means what I think it is right there then I would say like, it's probably going to be an outside hire for the offensive coordinator. I don't think anyone really, I mean, I don't think there's any names here on the Lions staff that we can really point to. That'll be a hire from within. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was, um, there was a talk of George Godsey and I just, yeah. I mean, uh, John Whitaker pointed out that, um, his offensive efficiency rankings as two years with the Texans were like 24th and 30th, but, uh, I don't think that's going to cut it. Um, I think if, if we're firing guys after we saw an improvement in the offensive line in the running game, maybe not as much as we wanted, but, um, there was definitive, there was definitive improvement there. And so a guy who you don't know is going to have immediate success would not be uh, great higher in my eyes. I think you have a lot more qualified candidates out there to choose from. Well, let's talk about some of those candidates because it is kind of a, um, it's a fascinating time for offense in the NFL and everyone is trying to just barrel into this thing. Everyone's trying to get the youngest guys possible just over in the newswire today. It looks like the Rams and jets. I mean, the Cardinals and jets, excuse me, are one interview Cliff Kingsbury who just signed as an yep. offensive coordinator with U the university of Southern California. Like they, they don't care. They are like, and by the way, Kingsbury has, doesn't have a minute of time coaching anything in the NFL, not even as an assistant. He's been, a pure college guy to this point and he and from what i understand he even turned down interest from the rams so but that's just that's just the state of where it is everyone is frenzied to to get these guys and to that point first name up is definitely what does the nfl do best copycat who can they go for shane waldron the passing game coordinator and tight ends coach of the Los Angeles Rams. And I see on Jeremy's list here, he's at the top of it. He's already a big name. I already see that the Bengals are requesting to interview him at some point. So this is uh he's a hot name out there, but 
as we've seen through this year, and as I think Hamza and I have talked about previously too, the way the Rams are going is not the way that I think the Lions seem to want to go with their offense. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. In, in Matt Patricia's final press conference, um, one of one of the quotes that he had that I think got a lot of traction with Lions fans in a negative fashion was was when someone asked him, you know, this this league, you look around and all these passing offenses are, are blowing up. Your guys' passing offense is, is, you know, really struggled this year. Is, is there, you know, are, are you looking for – uh, an improvement in that area and and Patricia immediately pointed to the Lions improvement in the run game and how important that is in this time of year in December and and beyond and and I think he has a point but you also have a point there too that Shane Waldron the kind of the high flying not that the Rams have a bad running game they absolutely do not but it certainly seems like everything is focused on the on the passing game and Hard the play action, um, and and yeah, and, and all that. But I, I wouldn't say it's a complete mismatch. And, and we also obviously have to kind of you know butt in here with Shane Waldron was with the Patriots. Uh, they worked alongside each other, so so there is something there. Um, the question though, and and we we talked to uh, you know Turf Show Times on on the uh, on first bite brought up Shane Waldron. He's like, yeah, go ahead and take him. See how that works out for you. And so that kind of stuff kind of makes me nervous when when you hire a guy next to the smartest guy in the room yeah this is this that's why i said this one shane waldron that name kind of stinks of copycat like nfl just copycat desperation uh some other names on here adam gase i believe is he now done with the uh dolphins yeah, he's been fired He's been can, we, can we stick with the Rams just real quick? Yeah, because, sure. Who else? Um, an interesting name that's popped up a bunch because he's interviewed with for or he's scheduled to interview for a couple head coaching jobs is Zach Taylor, the the quarterbacks coach in Los Angeles, and I think this one has a little bit more uh, of credence to it. The guy has an extensive offensive coordinator resume. He was he was the offensive coordinator for the University of Cincinnati for a while. Um, he was the interim offensive coordinator for the Dolphins for a year. He was a quarterback coach for for Ryan Tan. Hill before Adam Gase came in um, so he kind of has a, a longer resume there and obviously he's someone that Sean McVay values given that they brought him in but um, again you, you kind of have that worry that it's it's a kind of a copycat league there yeah um, Hamza like I, I don't know like I, I want to propose to Hamza before we continue on here and maybe to like the audience in general just send us your feedback on that but it's like as we just said like we have two different ways that the NFL is going here. We've got the lions who want to go more old school ground and pound, but then you have these kind of much faster offenses, which seem to be the future of things. Which way would you rather the lions go? If you could have your choice in it. I mean, if it were my decision, I mean, you look at a team like the Rams, they know how to sling it and throw the ball around like anyone else can. But at the same time, when it's time to run the ball, they can run the ball. Sure. But I mean, there's there's I mean, it's hard not to run the ball when you have Todd Gurley. Right. I mean, that's true. But if you look at um, their outside zone schemes, Todd Gurley is not very good at um, inside zone. And there was a lot of good breakdown I saw early in the season. I forgot from who, but um, something about how their inside and outside runs set each other up. And it's all like scheme based. And like, I mean, we've seen the success that CJ Anderson has with them and their backup running backs in general. Like they, they haven't skipped a beat with Todd Gurley out. And I think that's a big testament to what Sean McVay has done with not only the passing game, but also the running game. But I think that, 
you have a guy like Jim Bob Cooter who has the gunslinger of all gunslingers in this league, Matthew Stafford, and he made it clear that he wanted to pass the ball. And um, I think it's not a matter of where we want this to go, but Matt Patricia has made it clear that that's not where he wants it to go. So with him having the power to make this higher in, in coordination with Bob Quinn, I think they're generally speaking on the same page here. I do think we're going to see more of um, a running game emphasis. And I don't think that's the worst thing. I think, We've seen that uh, Matthew Stafford is very efficient in play action situations, Mm -hmm. uh, much more so than obvious passing situations. And I think that if he were to take on more of a uh, I don't want to necessarily say to the extent of the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, but um, like an emphasized game manager. I don't want to reduce it to game manager, but an emphasized game game manager. I think we could really see him um, bring out those bright spots without having to suffer from, you know, the games of bad Stafford and the streaky Stafford that we see every once in a while, because it feels like that comes from him burning out from having to sling it over and over and over again. And I think that a healthy running game, even if it does reduce his role a little bit, will be a good move for him. I mean, it's basically what the Patriots have been doing for years, right? I mean, I hate to bring everything back to the Patriots, but they've had a really good running game at all times. And, you know, we, we look at, uh, we look at Brady as kind of a gunslinger, but really he doesn't throw the ball all that often. You know, he, he's not a guy that finishes in the top two in, in passing yards every year. He's just a crazy efficient guy at throwing the ball. Yeah. And that's something that's just overlooked as a matter of the fact that he's won so many Super Bowls. But I mean, it's not the same running back. It's not the same offensive line. There's no star back that they have. It's obviously a plug and play situation. Um, They've had running backs who come and go four running backs in a season who will be their star running back each for a little part of the season. And so it's a situation where Brady gets all the credit for being an elite quarterback. But um, people very easily overlook that running game because there's no um, star power to their backfield. And so maybe that's where the lines go. It pains me to say that maybe we end up seeing more of a running back by committee style and carry on Johnson doesn't evolve into a bell cow back, but um, <laughs> if they can um, evolve to integrate that kind of efficient running game in there, the way the Patriots have, that would be a beautiful thing to see, especially for Stafford. All right, let's get back to the other court. Uh, coordinator hires that could happen. Uh, I I loathe this name on here, but there is some merit to it in Steve Sarkeesian, who is late of the Atlanta Falcons. He was their offensive coordinator there and has been canned. Uh, but he has a lot of background to what he has done in the past. You have, he's been quarterbacks coach in more than a few places, both pro and uh, college. I believe he had like one year with the Oakland Raiders as a as a uh, quarterbacks coach. He's head coach at USC in Washington before he kind of infamously uh, kind of ran afoul of an addiction problem. From there, he went to Alabama and then into the Atlanta Falcons. And I think I, I don't know how much how much would you want Sark? Or do you have much of a misgivings on how the Falcons offense is kind of completely tanked? Well, I, I don't view it that way as, as what happened in Atlanta. I know Falcons fans hate, absolutely hate the guy. And I mean, that's that's what happens when you go from a, a Pro Bowl or a Super Bowl contender to out of the playoffs completely. And but I mean, you look at all the efficiency numbers of the offense and they weren't bad. I mean, they weren't at the level that they were when Kyle Shanahan was, was there. And Kyle Shanahan, I think, is maybe a top two offensive mind in the NFL. So that's that's big shoes to fill for Steve Sarkeesian, but I believe they were eighth in offensive DVOA this year, ninth last year. Um, they, they weren't bad there. And, and the one thing, um, and Hamza and I talked about this a little bit off air. Um, the one thing that he was criticized most for this year was his uh, red zone efficiency. And he's actually in the top half of the league in terms of scoring in the red zone and touchdowns in the red zone. So 
I, I do kind of get the feeling that maybe this was his last run and his, his luck has been out just because he's bounced around so much. But I, I think the Lions need to at least consider him, even though the scheme fit doesn't seem necessarily in tune with what Matt Patricia has, has showed in, in 2018. Yeah, and that's something that um, I wouldn't necessarily like him as my favorite hire, but it wouldn't be the end of the world if the Lions got him. I'd be open to seeing what he can do. I think my biggest concern, originally I was worried about the offensive efficiency, but those numbers that you mentioned kind of quelled my worries. But I think my problem is they had those red zone problems and they fixed them in the second half of the season, but it took a while. I mean, yeah. it was seven, eight, nine games into the year and people were still talking about not only Julio Jones, but the offense as a whole couldn't put up points in the red zone. And they really did a good job correcting that to the end of the season. But that seven, eight, nine game, I don't know if the Lions staff or Lions fans have that kind of patience. And so that's something the that fans definitely do not. Yeah, no, they do not. They do not. not. <laughs> All right, let's, let's, game. let's run real quick through some remaining names. We didn't talk enough about Gase. Uh, any plus minus that you guys have for Gase? I'm I'm growing more and more uh, in favor of that hire. I just think it's also more more and more unlikely. I mean, people yeah. have talked about him potentially being the the leading candidate in Green Bay. He's, he's scoring interviews all over the place for head coaching openings, and there there are eight of them now. So I just don't see a way that he falls to the lines. But I would be for it. It's kind of similar to Jim Bob Cooter's scheme, so the there isn't that drastic of a a change for Matthew Stafford in the offense, and and he's a little bit more aggressive of a play caller. I think things in Miami just didn't work out because he didn't have a quarterback. All right, uh, next name here, uh, George Godsey. I don't know much about him. Don't we already know. talked about. Him. Did we? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lions quarterback coach. Oh, so that would be the hire from within. Okay. That would be the hire from within. And uh, that would be the hire from within that we really hope doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm, I'm this, not, this is the part where people yell at me that I don't know the team I'm covering. So. <laughs> the, the one thing about Godsey that I don't see a lot of people talking about, and Hamza did kind of make a brief mention of it, is that he does have offensive coordinator uh, experience. So it isn't just yep. like they're bringing in a random guy and, and giving him the next shot. He's had a shot um, with the Texans. I don't, I mean, it's, it's hard to blame him for, for as bad as things went for Houston because who did they have a quarterback but um at the same time it would definitely be an uninspiring hire and speaking of previous offensive coordinator experience I'm sorry Chris I gotta steer the boat here to Freddie Kitchens because I want to yep, talk about that's it. where I was gonna go next yeah yep yep yeah. so I had no idea who this guy was I don't know if it was you or Kent or who in the slack room brought it up but um ever since then I've paid a lot of attention watched the week 17 game and his creativity and making the most of what he has has been really um absurd I mean a lot of these Browns receivers have not been um they're not big names they haven't they've been very successful in the past David Njoku has been quiet since he was drafted and somehow some way um, Kitchens had, has found a way to make the most out of what he has and that's really what strikes me because I mean can you name anyone who the Browns have besides Baker Mayfield and David Njoku on offense and even then Njoku isn't playing a pivotal role in that in that offense the way some tight ends do and so if he were to come to Detroit and you have on Johnson Marvin Jones Jr. Kenny Galladay uh, I mean who knows who we get in terms of a tight end or a slot receiver in the draft which I guarantee you one of the two will be a decently high pick um, there's a lot of potential there especially with his kind of creativity and we talked a lot about how Jim Bob Cooter was not willing to adapt and he was being repetitive so having a kind of uh, open mind and some you know schematic flashy stuff would be really interesting to see 
the question is just whether he he becomes available because he's uh, he scored an interview with the Browns for their head coaching position. Yeah. And I, I think they're very happy with him over there. So even if they hire a different head coach, I think he might stick around. There was uh, that report, though, that Mike McCarthy was the favorite for the Cleveland job. I don't know how much credibility there is to that, but um, yeah. And on dogs, up. on dogs by nature, our sister site, too, they're kind of worrying that uh, general manager John Dorsey might have cooled a little bit on Freddie Kitchens. And as we know, for the Browns, they tend to go for some pretty flashy hires, at least usually from the outside. I don't remember how much they really um, promote from within. But yep. I mean, turnover is the name in the game in that organization. True. But I mean, uh, just just looking at Kit, like if you yeah. watch the last four or five weeks of that Browns offense, they were a really, really fun team to watch. Very yeah, creative absolutely. plays, a lot of trick plays, too, which I know always kind of perks Lions fans ears up because we only get to see trick plays in week 17. Yep. All right. Two more names on here. I'd rather say Nathaniel Hackett because I think you threw the other name on here as a joke, Jeremy. <laughs> Not completely, but we'll. we'll All right, fine. Let's say that. Let's fuck it. We'll say the name right now. Charlie Weiss. He's not getting the job. Screw anyone who says that. I do not want him anywhere. You don't want him anywhere near this team, folks. Like, I I don't know what else I need to say about Charlie Weiss's resume for you to for you to convince anyone that he is a bad hire in any capacity. Well, I mean, just don't just to justify me putting him on the list. Obviously, Patriots connections, and he was also listed on Dave Briquette's list of seven potential candidates. So it's a possibility. It's not going to be one that you're going to that anyone is going to like. But I'm just throwing it out there. It's a possibility. Thank you, Dave Briquette, for pulling that genie out of the bottle. (laughs) I'm just saying, a like I don't know what else I need to tell you from his resume. B he has not coached football at any level since 2014 when he was fired from Kansas and at the university of Kansas made them like one of the worst programs in existence. He's not going to be a head coach. He's going to be an offense. I, I know, I know, but he's had some OC stops too. I could read them off for you. Like the one thing going in his favor is probably that Patriots connection. As you say, he was there. He was, he played a bunch of positional roles for them back in the nineties, tight ends, running backs, wide receiver. He was the jets offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator for the Patriots again from 2000 to 04. But again, that's, that's ages ago, man. That is dinosaur level when it comes to pro offenses right now. Listen, I, I'm not advocating for the guy. I'm just, I feel like we, he needed to just, I, we needed to hear that, Chris. We just All needed right. to hear that. I didn't. Now I'm just mad. No, we uh, needed the, to hear you set this record straight. <laughs> Listen, I grew up watching this guy coaching at Notre Dame. He had Golden Tate. He had phenomenal players and he didn't know his ass from the end zone. And I'm sorry, like, I I, I can't just say, oh, maybe he'll be good as an offensive coordinator. I can't say that. You cannot make me say that. There's nothing good about the fat man and anything he will bring to this table. And if you're saying Patriot way, then honestly, if Charlie Weiss is the best you can produce from the Patriot way, the Patriot way should burn. (laughs) Nathaniel Hackett, last guy on our list, former Jags offensive coordinator. Does anyone want this guy? Yeah, I'm actually open to this. I know he's, I think the Jaguars fired him pretty early on in the season. Um, but I think it has a lot to do with Blake Bortles. I mean, it's Blake Bortles. You're not no, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and then, and then on top of that, there's been some serious issues, especially coming out in the news now um, with the Jaguars offense and the locker room, there was um, conflict on the defense from early on in the season. And now um, Leonard Fournette had a violation of team rules, having his contract guarantees revoked by the Jaguars. TJ Yeldon um, was complicit with him um in 
kind of ignoring the coaches and whatever in week 17, they were sitting on the bench while um, their while the team was on offense. So there have obviously been some other problems going on in that Jaguars offense. But I think that there was a point, if you can make Blake Bortles throw for 400, 450 yards, um, despite the turnovers, maybe it's all a little bit Scott Linehan esque, but imagine what you could do with Stafford. And at the same time, you have a guy like Leonard Fournette, the Jaguars have had a very solid running game. It's what carried them along with the defense last year. Um, and I mean, at this point when it didn't work this year, if you can unleash Blake Bortles for 400 plus yards over the course of several weeks, then I'm all for it. I think that he would be underrated higher. I don't want to guarantee anything that he would be good or anything, but I'd be open to seeing what he could bring to the offense here in Detroit. Yeah. And and, I mean, as, as bad as the Jags were this year, I think we all have to remember how good they were last year. And, and while the defense kind of made all the headlines, the offense was fine. It was, I would argue it was even good 15 and past DVOA with Blake Bortles, the aforementioned Blake Bortles 12th against the run or 12th uh, in the running game. And, and if we're talking about, you know, uh, an offensive coordinator that might fit a little more with, with Matt Patricia, it might be Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, that team has been pounding the rock for the last couple of years. And, and, and we saw last year how a good running game can lead to a good passing game with, like you said, Blake Bortles throwing for 400 yards. How does that happen? And let's be clear too, Leonard Leonard Fournette isn't elite by any stretch of the means either. Like, I mean, before this even all started with him and his contract too, like uh, there's there was talk among Jags Twitter that I was reading that they just didn't think the guy was that good. So, I mean, Hackett gets to work with those kind of vegetables and makes that. That'd be curious to see. Yeah, and I think even Jags fans, like they they knew it was coming and, and they understood the move, but a lot of them were like, yeah, this is kind of on Blake Bortles more than anyone else. <laughs> That's true. All right, well, let's wrap it up here then. Uh, it will be interesting to see. We don't want to speculate too much because, again, the coaching carousel never really sleeps in the offseason, especially for the Detroit Lions. And podcasts are not a immediate live medium. So hopefully nothing changed before we recording here today on New Year's Day to when this releases on January 2nd. Jeremy Reisman, Hamza Bakush, thank you guys so much for joining us again here. That's Hamza POD on Twitter. Hamza POD. He's been freed. The boy is free. Go see it. Go see him. Go follow him. He's always got good stuff. He's always super intelligent. We will be back same time, same bat channel for the Pride of Detroit POD cast. See you star side. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.